You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up where we're going to talk about another season of television, and that is Gotham Season 4. But before we talk about that, let's meet some fellow Gothamites. First up, uh, you know him as the guy whose name sounds like a dinosaur, and that is my buddy, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> you also sound like a guy who lives on the satellite of love i certainly do <laughs> right. but for those who don't know his uh online name is trex so t-rex so that's the joke i've not played jurassic park evolution yet yeah, okay. really. I'm, a poor, I'm a poor dino i'm poor have you seen jurassic world too i am still poor okay <laughs> <laughs> i forgot it came out this week right <laughs> I'm over here waiting for Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it's like, right. oh, Jurassic World came out, too. Yeah, yep, nope, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I have to be very selective about what movies I see, and Ant-Man and the Wasp is the one I'm going for, because uh, I love the first Ant-Man, and Marvel's been consistently good, so I'm definitely going to catch that one in theaters. It doesn't help that I wasn't super impressed with Jurassic World, personally, the first one, so I'm okay with watching it as a Netflix thing. Same. So, um, what's been going on for you lately, Mike? Nothing much. My game PC is down, so my streaming has gotten re- is because I've been working with it all week. So my streaming on Twitch has just been really staggering. This whole month has really just been crazy because the first week it was kind of it was okay for me trying to prep for the month. I had Heroes Con last weekend, and it's just been crazy, crazy busy. Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. The week before was E3, then it was Heroes Con, and. Now, this weekend, I'm just trying to play catch up with streaming and my game PC goes down. So I'm streaming off my PlayStation 4 and I'm looking at it, I'm like, what does this machine do? I look at my game library. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I want my Steam. I want my online MMOs. I want it back. <laughs> so with Heroes Con, do you go as just an attendee or do you have some official thing that you do there? It's technically as an attendee because I definitely never get a media badge because I'm not that popular okay <laughs> but i go with the group of people with nerds of the apocalypse uh, our local podcast group and we they were there all they were there since thursday night and i just got there saturday and uh for saturday and sunday uh, but we just did a couple of interviews met some folks that were from my stream in person for the first time so we had uh, a good lunch with them uh, so that was kind of nice little get together but it was heroes con was uh slow it was just I think it's because they expanded because at first it was just a large room, but then they added, they saw the large room for the convention and then they added another area 
which is basically like around the corner. So they added much more space and room. So instead of feeling compact and moving through lines and people, it was much more spread out, which we f- like even talking to other vendors is like, ah, this feels kind of slow because everything doesn't seem packed. But it, it was just a weird convention, like because it's four weeks away, four weeks before San Diego Comic-Con, you have writers and artists that can't really talk about anything because everything has to be announced at San Diego. Mm. So trying to like interview is like, so what's coming out? Can't tell you for four more weeks. I'm like, oh, thanks. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of love for Heroes Con. It was my very first con back in 93. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's a con that's been going on for a long time now that I think about it. But uh, yeah, I haven't been. And, in- and I, I appreciate Heroes Con so much because it's the honestly, it's the last true comic convention. It's writers as artists. It's a little bit of publishers, but it's there's no media. There's no media guests. And I, I appreciate that so much because as much as I would love to see like Michael Terror from Luke Cage. Oh, my God, he's at Heroes Con. So it's great. It's that's cool. But if you're there, if you want to go for comic books and just for comic books, that's where you go as Heroes Con. If you want to meet actual people, actual actual media guests, you got South Carolina Comic Con in Greenville. You have Soda City here in Columbia. You have Dragon Con that you can always sacrifice your firstborn to go to. Wait, wait, there's actually a con in Columbia now? There is. It's called Soda City. This will be their third year, I believe, doing it. Their oh, first year, okay. oh my, their first year broke my heart because it was like, oh, we're going to a comic convention here in Columbia. The weekend that it happened was the 100-year flood. Oh. When the whole city got flooded and the convention <laughs> was was trying to still go on. It's like, no, it's it's okay. It's like, there's people in rowboats, sir. It's like, we're still open. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Columbia's certainly changed since I was there. Not, not much. <laughs> We only had those, like, little tiny one-day cons where, like, the lobby of a hotel would have, like, six vendors in it and no, like, yeah. guests, you know? It was just like, hey, it's a Comic-Con! It's like, it really was just, like, a dealer's room, a very small dealer's room. <laughs> they called it a Comic-Con, but anyway. Basically. Yeah, 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 so. Okay, no, no, that's awesome, yeah, no, that's... But yeah, I get what you're saying, because, yeah, nowadays, everything that's called a Comic-Con is really about the comic properties. And isn't so much about the comics themselves anymore, so that's nice that Heroes Con hasn't done that yet, and it's just about the comics. Alright, well, it's great to have you back on, Mike. It's good to be back. And next up, we might as well have called this episode The Two Mikes, because (laughs) we have a guest that comes to us from Earth Station 1, Earth Station Who. You can see him at all kinds of cons throughout the year, and that is my buddy, Mike Gordon. How are you doing, Mike? Howdy! Pleasure to be back! Uh, so, uh, what's been going on for you, Mike? Uh, well, you know, uh, just business as usual. I'm, uh, of course, always proud to uh, come on and represent the Gordon family legacy with <laughs> talking about all the things Jim Gordon. <laughs> I've been, you know, doing the uh, podcast. Of course, our station one is, is plowing along over 400 episodes, you know. And uh, we just got back doing from, uh, as far as uh, Earth Station Who goes, we just got back from doing Con K, which is a wonderful Doctor Who-related convention in Huntsville, Alabama. It's really great. Combined with Hulanta in Atlanta, which was a couple months ago, it's really like a one-two punch of great Doctor Who conventions here in the Southeast. All right, awesome. 
So since the numbering is getting so high on Earth Station One podcast, does that mean that you're going to have to have some sort of like crisis event and restart the numbering from number one? Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to do a reboot uh, with uh, younger actor, younger hosts. You know, uh, the whole nine yards. It's in the planning stages. You know, we're going to get uh, George Perez to do the art cover artwork. It's going to be great. <laughs> Yeah, because that's the thing. That's what you always hear is once the numbering gets too high, just people are too scared. They're too scared to start into that. So, you know, (laughs) you might want to rethink that. Get ready for uh, Earth Station 1 Rebirth. Well, (laughs) at least you didn't go at the new 52. (laughs) No, no, no. The new one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could call it the new 42. Right. (laughs) Oh, I would be quite happy with that. Oh, man. No, but what was it that Marvel was calling theirs? It was something like... It was Marvel Now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it was Marvel Now! Exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. I think now they're doing Legacy. Legacy, that's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, the ESO Network Legacy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I don't think anybody should really take cues from the comic book industry on how to do things. Right, no, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, the problem is now it's the snake eating its own tail because... They're rebooting, and then, because they've started the precedent of rebooting, it's like every few years they feel like they have to reboot now, so it's like you alienate like a new group of people like every few years that were like, I like the way things were going. (laughs) It's like, oh no, we have to reset everything now. No! Yeah. I could see if they rebooted like every other generation, but every three years is a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Thankfully, the podcast industry hasn't gotten to that point yet, so I think we're good. But uh, it's great to have you back on the show, Mike. It's great to be here, yes, and to talk about this crazy show we love called Gotham. Yes, yes, the very, very crazy show. (laughs) And with you representing the Gordon legacy. (laughs) So does that mean you also represent Flash Gordon for anything talking about Flash Gordon? I do. I was actually just on a podcast uh, last month uh, where we uh, did a commentary on the uh, 1980s movie, uh, Flash Gordon. So, yes, both uh, Flash and uh, Commissioner uh, Jim uh, keep me very busy. (laughs) Now I want, like, the story that connects the two of them as, like, cousins or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Oh, oh, I've written it. Oh, Oh, it's written. (laughs) The Gordon crossover when Flash meets Commissioner. (laughs) As soon as that Dynamite DC deal goes through, (laughs) baby. Ming the Merciless teams up with Ra's al Ghul. (laughs) There you go. See, it practically writes itself. It does write itself. No, I I agree. I agree. (laughs) All right. Well, now it's time for our five-minute controversy segment. And what that is, for those of you who haven't been listening to the show for a while, ever since Jennifer Hartshorn cursed five questions, it kept getting longer and longer and longer, and I decided that it's time for a change. So what we're doing now is we're just doing one question that we can talk about for a little bit of time, and so that way it still serves the same purpose of loosening us up and everything, but it's, you know, we can keep it kind of from from getting out of control and taking over the podcast. So this week... What I wanted to talk about is the news that just came out, and it's a little preliminary because, of course, Lucasfilm is denying it, but at the same time, they would deny it even if it was true, is the news that because Solo, a Star Wars story, bombed at the box office, that they're rethinking the sort of a Star Wars story, quote-unquote, prequel series of movies that they were doing. 
Now, I don't want to make this a referendum on the solo movie itself. I just want to talk about the decision. And so, just thoughts as far as... Do we think that that would be a good move for them to rethink those uh, movies? Do we think that they should go in new directions? Or do you think that that would be a little premature? So Mike Gordon, why don't we start with you? Well, I'm not sort of surprised by this news because um, it, there does seem to be a uh, particular backlash, particularly with the quote-unquote fandom against Star Wars movies right now. And Solo was obviously affected by that. And look, I'm not a big fan of prequels as a whole. There are very few exceptions to that rule. But by and large, I don't understand the... Um, the, the, the desire to do I understand why they do it but I don't understand the uh, because I don't think you know uh, with a few exceptions they haven't been good and they haven't been well received and some of them sure have made some money but generally speaking there's not much you can do with with prequels as a creator I mean you're sort of forced into certain income uh, end results you know and it's just it's just not good so if they stop making prequel stories i'm okay with that now that said i did not hate a solo i didn't love rogue one but i i thought it was okay if they just want to if they want to focus on telling stories that take place you know after revenge of the jedi and before force awakens i would be much more open to that because I think there's a lot of storytelling that can be made there, as well as telling uh, other side stories would be great. So I have no doubt that they're going... That, look, they're not going to stop making Star Wars movies, right. that's for sure. So I think they're just sort of trying to figure out the next best move. I didn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one thing I appreciate about Star Wars was I didn't need a backstory of where solo came from why obi-wan had has a better beard than he had before it's <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i didn't now at the same time i went to solo i love solo it was actually really good and, and yeah I, I actually went through because i found your article that you shared nathan on facebook and putting a hold on obi-wan i feel like obi-wan probably should have been the first one that they should have done because he's more of a prolific character more wanting than Solo was, because we already had Ewan McGregor wanting to do it. He would have easily done a prequel movie. And with Solo, it's basically, here's a whole brand new cast of characters that we have to know, instead of with Obi-Wan, it's like, oh, we already know this actor, we already know he can do good. We don't have to really take a roll-the-dice risk like they did with Solo. But yeah, I just didn't really care about a Star Wars story. I feel like this was definitely a Disney move because of how Marvel does <laughs> with like, oh, here's a Marvel. Here's three Marvel movies a year. It's like, OK, well, as long as as much as we love them, we can stop the oversaturation. But at the same time, every time I watch the Marvel movies, like I want more. So this was definitely a Disney move to have these prequels where I think Lucasfilm or even Lucas just didn't in original in his original trilogy. I feel like he didn't want to have backstory. It was like, here's your, here's these people, nice in the ripe age of pre thirty, and they're doing some stuff, and you're done. That's that's their story. That's it. People wanting to come out with, I wonder how Solo became a pilot. It's like, well, you enjoy your little fantasy. We don't need to see it on screen. <laughs> Put it in a comic book if even. <laughs> Make it canon. But I, I I understand why Disney and Lucasfilm definitely held off on it. Solo in the box office according to management did poorly fans loved it fans hated it but you know hashtag reboot the last jedi stupid 
<laughs> well, that's a whole other can of worms that I wasn't going to get into. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I had to do it. But I understand why they did it. I, as a person who is not a Star Wars fan, would I have said no to a Star Wars Obi-Wan? No. At least as a character I can probably handle with. But I think one of the other things is, I just don't know why they held off doing Star Wars prequels. Like, I might have not wanted it. There's my Star Wars friends who drool over it. But it does suck, because I think Obi-Wan probably would have been a better niche than Solo. Well, I think that certainly from the standpoint of this movie that they expected to do very well underperformed, I think it makes sense for them to sort of like go back to the drawing board and rethink what they're doing. I mean, here's the thing. Although there have been all kinds of rumors of all these other ones that were in development, nothing's been officially announced. So first of all, everyone thinks that they're getting a Boba Fett movie and an Obi-Wan movie and every other movie under the sun, but but yep. they never announced anything after Episode Nine. So far, through Episode Nine, that's all we know. So we don't even know if these movies, how far along they were anyway. But second of all, the fact that they're on hold it doesn't even mean... If, the, if that's true, that they're on hold and they were in development... It doesn't mean that you're never getting the movie either. So I think some people are getting a little too bent out of shape about this anyway. But the thing is, yeah, I think it's perfectly logical for Disney to make this move. I personally am of the camp that I don't want prequels anyway. I don't like prequels in general. Even if Solo, I haven't seen Solo yet. Even if Solo turns out to be a genius movie, it's, it's unnecessary for the reasons mm -hmm. that you guys have already mentioned. You know, prequels are not, you know... They're never going to do anything really, really new. So, you know, it, I might enjoy it just fine. But, you know, so far the prequels haven't really done much for me. Certainly the three that Lucas did, I didn't care for. And Rogue One I thought was okay, but it was not really that great. The funny thing to me, though, is that everyone has a different theory as to why Solo underperformed. My thinking is people are just tired of prequels. I've heard other people say that, oh, it's because The Last Jedi everyone hated, which isn't true, but they say everyone hated The Last Jedi, so they, they missed Solo as a protest. I, I don't really buy that one, because people knew that Solo was going to be a prequel and wasn't going to be anything like The Last Jedi, so I don't think that was a reason. The other one that I've heard is, oh, they put it in the summer instead of December, and, and now we expect Star Wars movies in December. I don't know anyone who really, like, makes their decisions based on the fact of, well, this movie came out in May instead of December, I guess I'm not gonna see it. So that one doesn't really fly that much with me either. I mean, yeah, there's some competition. Deadpool came out, I think, two weeks before it, and so some people might have been seeing Deadpool instead. Infinity War had pretty much run its course by then, even though it was still in theaters. I don't think Infinity War really killed it. So there might be a little something to that one. I still think it's prequel fatigue, personally. So yeah, I think Disney, though, just to figure out why it underperformed, it makes sense for them to go back to the drawing board with any prequel ideas that they have. Because right now, I don't think anyone has a good grasp of the why. There are a lot of theories out there, but uh, I think that they need to get a handle on that and... Yeah, I know they want to produce a Star Wars movie every year. They want it to be their Marvel. But I think they need to do a lot more world building. And prequels just feel like they're being incestuous. They're turning inward instead of expanding. This Star Wars is about a whole galaxy. Tell us some stories about new characters in that galaxy. Or new places in that galaxy. Or new times in that galaxy. Set something a thousand years after the regular Star Wars. Set it a thousand years before, where there's really not that much connective tissue, you know? And so even though it's a prequel per se, 
if you don't give us anything that's really like directly connected to the other movies, it'll still feel fresh in that sense. So, yeah, I just think that they can expand this thing outward instead of prequels, which feel like they're turning inward. But any further commentary from you guys on this? Go see Solo. It was really good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was much better. I think, uh, to your point, I think the, the reason that it didn't that it underperformed is that it was the production was bumpy on it and people had heard bad things. And the none of the trailers, none of the marketing really sold me on it. Like, right. I was like, this doesn't look very good. And if they had had better marketing, I think, you know, it would have been it would have been better. I think better received. I, I think it was just laziness that they felt like we've put Star Wars on the name of this. Therefore, yeah, people will flock exactly. to it. It says, yeah, it's Star Wars and it's got Han Solo. What else do you need to know? I mean, Han is one of the most popular characters of the franchise. No question. But when you have an unknown actor relatively unknown actor playing him there's a lot of questions there right i mean honestly it wasn't a it wasn't a star wars movie to me it was it was just a it was a running gun movie and (laughs) i just really appreciated that because i walked in like they could have literally had star wars not even in the title i would have still enjoyed it yeah it had it more had more of a firefly vibe to it than it did a star wars vibe yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing that I've been saying, too. If they had been able to make these prequels all in the 80s, and, like, Harrison Ford was doing a prequel about Han Solo, it would be a completely different story. But, like you said, Mike, it, the fact that it's somebody different playing it, a lot of my interest just goes away, like, right there. Respectful. Yeah, understandable. All right, so that has been our five-minute controversy for today. If, if you have any thoughts about it at home, then uh, just send us an email at everything at 42cast.com. Let us know what you think, and let us know if you thought we were right, we were wrong, whatever. And yeah, but before we tackle our topic of Gotham Season 4, let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. Hello, podcast fans. My name is Chris Jones, and I'm here to tell you about the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Now, of all the geek-oriented podcasts out there, we are definitely one of them. Yes, we talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and cosplay and Marvel and DC and the usual. But as geeks, we embrace anyone with very specialized knowledge, like triathletes or improv comedians or musicians. So we try to bring them in and let them share their geekiness with you to help broaden some horizons. And maybe you'll learn something. Maybe we'll learn something. You can find our entire catalog at nerdlistpodcast.com on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Player FM, and we are now proud to be a part of the ESO Network. Once again, we are the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Thank you and Pod Bliss. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, this week we're talking about Gotham Season 4. We've talked previously, both both mics have, have been on the show twice now to talk about Gotham. And we've talked previously about how this show cranked things up to 15. And I think they might have found the 16 on the dial this year. <laughs> uh, would you guys agree with that? I, I look. I've stopped trying to guess where this show's going. It's just so much fun to just go along for the ride. Yeah. A- Amen. <laughs> I don't know. Every time I think I've got a handle on it, like the show like goes like even bigger and crazier. 
And I think that the sort of first arc that they went through with the pig is a very good example of that, because this is a character I'd never even heard of before, and wow, was that just an insane mess. <laughs> but a good mess, and a good mess, not not like mess like, oh god, this show is tedious to watch because it doesn't make any sense. It was like, it was crazy and in your face, but it was... It was interesting. Like, it's like you can't walk, you can't turn away from it. So, were either of you guys familiar with the pig before this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've, I'm, I think, did he first show up in Grant Morrison's run? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Professor Pig. And then, yeah, he's actually been in a couple of cartoons, believe it or not. Oh, okay. he has. Yeah. This is his first, this is his live action debut, though. And it's really great. I mean, to get an actor who's played Sweeney Todd on Broadway to play him is perfect. <laughs> and it, yeah, just creepy, creepy, creepy. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the scene, the sequence with the dinner. Yes. Is oh. just a thing of beauty. It's one of the, I mean, in a, in a show full of just like wacky, insane, memorable scene sequences, like it's hard to compete, but yet that one rose quickly to the top for me. Yeah. Uh, so Mike Nelson, would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, I met Professor Pig in, oh man, he, he was in the, what, Brave and the Bold. I think he was even in one of the other Batman shows, but he was very comedical or comical. He wasn't as threatening. The comic books, uh, I think it was definitely showing the New 52, I believe. And he, yeah, that was like a Professor Pig. It's like, there's no way they can bring this into any form of media live action. This is scary. Right. This, is, this is not a guy I want to meet. And lo and behold, here comes Gotham. It's like, holy crap. And I remember even in the Batman Arkham video game, I was running through this story mode or this mission. And apparently it was a Professor Pig. And I'm like, what's going on? Because I'm in this laboratory or this operating table. I'm like, what's all this stuff? What's? And I hear a voice and I hear a pig squeal. I'm like, oh, they wouldn't. There's no way this is a pig. It's Professor Pig. Oh, my God, this creep. It's he is. Oh, and the actor who did it just did an amazing job. And I still am scared of Professor Pig. It's, it's like, oh, it's a funny name. Ha <laughs> ha. No, don't mess with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was, oh man, it was just hard. And he was so smart, too. Like, everything that he did, how he manipulated Harvey, and, you know, how they, how he got everything, you know, going down was just so well done, and just so well thought out. Like you say, like, the fact that he's, like, this really, like, erudite, like, very, like, well-spoken guy, but he's wearing, like, a pig head. <laughs> it just creates this, like, weird, like, dichotomy of, you know, this guy who seems, like, really, like, well-polished and then, like, doing something so insane and so viscerally gross, you know, uh, on top of that, you know. And, and so, yeah, I mean, he, he certainly livened everything up. And, you know, I didn't see the endgame there until, I think, the episode where they revealed it. I figured it out just, like, a little bit before then because... Yeah, it seemed like everything just made Jim better, right? You know, it made him seem better in the public eye, it allowed Jim to do things, and then to know that it was all part of Sophia Palcone's plan. Yeah, the fact that it was... Who knows? Yeah, the fact that it was, like, Sophia's plan to get rid of Penguin. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like... 
I mean, because at the start of the season, Penguins, like, on top, he runs the city more so than he did when he was the mayor. Pax Penguina. As a Penguin fan, I was loving every minute of that. Because <laughs> right. you know there's going to be a downfall. That's the beauty of ha- seeing Penguin when he's on top, is that you know he's going to crash hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the fact that it was all really just a, a plan to get rid of that, it was just, that was that was insane. But yet, it it made sense in this crazy Gotham way. Well, it was even better than that, though, because it was her plan to not only get rid of Penguin, but also put Jim as head of the GCPD. Yep. And yep. and she felt that she controlled Jim also. So she would have both the criminal, you know, the cr- you know crime and the law on her side. And so it was like, wow, <laughs> like she's got it covered. Although the one thing that I have to say about this show, though, how much mud can they, like, throw on Jim and still have him be the paragon of virtue? Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, he, it just keeps on being like he keeps making questionable decision after questionable decision. But at the end of the day, everyone just kind of hand waves it and is like, he's Jim Gordon. He's always does the right thing. And I'm like, well... <laughs> You, know? uh, you look at you look at the competition, and really, there's not much else there. Well, that's so. true. <laughs> that's true. At the end of the day, he does do the right thing after he's made some bad decisions and done the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, he did, he feels guilty about it. Right. So you know, there's that. No, that's true. That's true. And and yeah, you always get the sense that even if Jim's moral compass like kind of goes askew for a moment, that it that it comes right back. And so yeah, he sees that what he did was wrong. But yeah, what did you guys think of Sophia Falcone? Oh, man. That woman. <laughs> <laughs> that was well done. Yeah. And because uh, it breaks my heart over crap. What was Falcone's the dad's name? Oh, um. It's something Italian. How, how did I forget this. his name? How did I forget his name? Right? Like, we always just call right. him Falcone. <laughs> right. Carmine. But now here's a second one. Yeah, Carmine. Carmine. Carmine, Falcone. yeah. Yeah. I mean,. We know Falcone is not in Gotham anymore, and I think using Sophia, which I don't even know if it's like if that's an original character or if that's someone or if Carmine had a daughter in the comics. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I looked her up. She's real in the comics. Okay, okay. So making Sophia where it, we have a Falcone in Gotham, even if it's not Carmine, was smart, and even just her deliverance. Like my father thinks I can't do this. So I'm a second. I'm 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 a stay-at-home daughter, <laughs> and then here she. Then I mean, she, Gordon needs a Falcone. She he needs to stop Penguin. And it's like, well, Carmine, if you're not gonna do it, Sophia, are you not allowed? Okay, then goes back, and here she is. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she she masterfully played that masterfully. Take I think one of the biggest moments of shock and awe for me was when she took Penguin's kid, that that little boy. And it's like, wow, you're a Falcone. Well, even better than that, though, she found the kid that would speak to him. Any, you know, like yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah. she manipulated him into forming a bond with the kid who was the kid that was picked on because he was weird. And, you know, so like he was like, yeah, I'm going to take this kid under my wing and I'm going to mentor him and, you know, tell him like how to how to be on top and everything. And then, yeah, to take him away. And again, she's just playing Penguin the whole time. Mm-hmm. And even how she she manipulated Zaz. And Zaz's, you know, loyalty to Carmine. And she made it seem like Penguin had assassinated Carmine and not her. And so then Zaz turned on Penguin. Which was, you know, an amazing move also. I, it just everything that she did, it was just like, oh my god, you know. 
like you get to that mid season and it's like it all she you know explains everything that happened and it's just like oh my she's been manipulating everything from day one on both because you knew she was manipulating penguin but then to find out that all the other strings she was pulling was really good poor zaz yeah <laughs> yeah yeah my uh my favorite moment well it was my favorite moment of the series but then they dial back on it but uh, this season is in uh episode 10 when they have the when sh- they have the conversation between penguin and sophia and penguin blows up the car that martin's in and i mean my heart stopped i was like oh my god this show just really like I cannot believe it. Now they've dialed back on it. I kind of wish they'd kept it though. That that penguin just would rather Martin die than be manipulated. Use him to manipulate him like that. And then you know, then he like he's not dead. But then they haven't really done anything with him since. So he'll. I'm just waiting for you know, in about five years or whatever, he'll become a bat villain. <laughs> well, you know, they've said though that next season is the last one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we're gonna get much more. No, I don't think so either. I mean, they, yeah, this was the, as good as this season was. It, uh, it's obvious that, and I think the move to the new night, uh, it's not on Mondays anymore. So they moved it to what is it, Wednesday? Thursday. Um, and I think that kind of threw some people off. And yeah, it's, it's kind of been wavering. And, and Fox is trying to, trying to get rid of a lot of their shows that they don't own. So that, all that being said, I think they're ready to just sort of cut their losses and, and let this go. Well, at yeah. the same time, I think, isn't it next season supposed to be syndication season? Uh, they will, they should reach well, they 100 reach episodes, right? In? Let's see. They, yeah, they just finished, like, their last one is 88. Uh, so, yeah, they, they They'll be close, be, because they said yeah. they're only going to do 10 episodes, so that'll oh, be 98 well. when they're done. So yeah, be close that's, enough. that's close enough. So, yeah. <laughs> I was surprised they didn't renew it for 12, because I was expecting, you know, like, okay, it's coming back as a half season. I thought it was going to say 12 episodes, but... It was only 10, so whatever. It'll still be close, so yeah, they can probably still get the syndication deals from it, so that works for them. So so yeah, we had Sophia, you know, Penguin, of course, goes through his whole arc of, you know, having being on top, then he's on bottom again. And uh, one of the things that I really liked about that storyline was that he had to get, he had to swallow his own pride and refer to Ed as the Riddler. You know, because that was the thing he always said, that he would never call him the Riddler. He yep. would never give him that satisfaction. But because he needed the Riddler to help him, he, you know, that whole that whole interplay that they had when Ed was dealing with what he was dealing with. And once Penguin realized what needed to happen and how they played that whole thing, I, I liked how that went down as well. And so I think that that's a good segue to talking about Enigma a little bit, too. Why is a show even called Gotham? It should be called Penguin. <laughs> Penguin, I, 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 I agree. I since you know since the last time I was on this show, I actually met Robin Lord Taylor and uh, oh. and and talked to him for a little bit. It was just at you know Heroes and Villains a, a con show. But I asked him. I'm like, I said, man, I can't even like watching the show. I can't even imagine what it's like for you when you get the script. Like you never know what's going to come next. And he's like, it is crazy. Like I just, yeah. I never know. It's full of great opportunities. And he's he's the star, right, for me, of this show. You're right. Yeah. I mean, without Penguin, without... And I think he's redefined that character, which says a lot, because the Penguin's been around for a long, long time. And uh, I was kind of sad to see that in the second half of the season, he's kind of not really a factor. I mean, he's there, 
but he doesn't really do a lot. Right, until that very end that I don't want to talk last, about. You're right. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> last episode, he, yeah, he's so good. <laughs> yeah, but that's why, uh, you know, that's, I really thought that uh, midway through, at the midway through when he, when he blows up the car, I'm like, man, this is such a great Penguin moment. Please, let's leave it. And they didn't leave it. But, I mean, he saved the kid, so that's cool. I mean, he's not all evil, but that's... You know, he's great. And and I will say that Nigma is he's got a different arc this year. I mean, he, he's fallen in love with Lee, which doesn't shouldn't mean very, very good things for Lee because <laughs> his relationships don't end well, at least not for the woman. Yeah, Lee and Nigma together. <laughs> well, and, and uh, I mean, I guess I'm skipping a little bit to the end there. The fact that their bodies both end up with uh, Hugo Strange at the end doesn't say very much well for them either. I remember when she was just a doctor. I remember when she was just a doctor. (laughs) Just a side character. Now she's a crime boss. Now she's a whole thing. Right, but let's just concentrate on Ed for a moment here and the whole thing of him having his intelligence, you know, gone for the early part of the season and... You know, just the way that he mangled all those riddles. <laughs> you know, like like even the most obvious ones, like the ones that, like, you know, you heard when you were a kid kind of stuff and you couldn't answer them right. And his frustration about all that and that poor groupie, <laughs> you know, who was like the Riddler groupie and she just wanted to, like, it was a really creepy, like, you know, like almost like a misery kind of uh, thing where it was like, I'm going to, I'm your biggest fan. I'm going to take care of you and you're going to be here and be like my pet almost. <laughs> it was just kind of like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Riddler having his brain problems, it humbled me because I don't know riddles. <laughs> so I had much more connection with him. It's like, I like this Riddler. He's on my level. Right. I don't know if that says anything about me or him, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was such a it was such a turn for him because even since day one, even when he was like the shy enigma that they had in season one, he was at least super smart about you know and, and knew you know was able to put things together and to have him not be that way, and then to have him encounter Butch slash Grundy, which is another great move in the storyline that I just wish they had they had doubled down on Grundy me and not too. brought back Butch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But especially when it's like, okay, so you bring back Butch, and then it's just all about Butch pining for Tabitha. And it was like, yeah, this isn't really fun. Well, they, you know, as we'll get to the end, I mean, they they brought back Butch for only one reason. Right. But yeah, I loved Grundy. Everything about Grundy was great. Everything about Grundy and Ed being together was great, because you knew at some point... And I just had hoped that they had come to it without him becoming Butch full-on, that just Grundy was going to get a flash of Ed being mean to him or whatever. And I was just <laughs> hoping that, the, you know, you, you knew at some point he was just going to be like, <gasps> and not friend or something. <laughs> just, like, completely turn on him. That's what I was waiting for. But yeah, and having it be that way, though, that Ed needed somebody who was even dumber than he had, he had become, but was strong. You know, for him to get power again. And I, I liked that. I liked that whole dynamic, and I liked how that worked. And I I, I thought that that part was, of the season was just so much fun, that first half um, where that was going on. And even the stuff with Lee. And have it, even though it felt really weird, especially in the beginning, like, okay, so Lee came back to Gotham after saying she was going to stay away mm-hmm. just so she could patch up fighters in this ring. You know? <laughs> I mean, she's hot. <laughs> You know, 
Right. And, and Darkly is even hotter, you know, and so it's <laughs> like, you know, you can have her on the screen as much as you want, but from a character perspective, you know, it didn't really seem to make that much sense, but okay. <laughs> but then I liked her turn, too where she was able to, you know, get to the top of the Narrows and, like, how she was like, I'm going to, like, take control without compromising my principles kind of thing, you know, and how that worked and didn't work and, you know, the whole the whole gyrations they had to go through with that and how Ed and Lee were just influencing each other. Enabling's fun. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing about the show is, even though I think I preferred the first half of the season to the second half, they at least try really hard to keep the show fresh. Mm -hmm. There's no point where you feel like, man, this season is just dragging because it's just the same (laughs) stuff over and over again. It it almost feels like it's the opposite problem of you never get enough time for a good idea to percolate completely. And then it's like, "Uh, now we're doing something else with these characters. (laughs) (laughs) You thought we were going right? Well, guess what? We're going left now. So. Pretty much. So yeah, I mean, you guys. I mean, what do you feel about the the Ed Lee Butch or uh, Grundy? You know, all that stuff that was going on there. You, you tend to forget like how much has happened. Like you know, as you're describing it, I'm like, was really that deep? Was it this season? And you're like <laughs> looking, I'm like, yeah, that was this season. I mean, it's <laughs> like a lot happens, and uh, especially with a lot of you know the prime characters. And Ed is. You know, sort of the he and Grundy, it's sort of nice. You, I could have watched more of certainly them having this mice and men relationship, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I'm glad to see, I was glad to see the Riddler finally kick in and be be back. You know, that, that, that sequence where he's having the game show and the Narrows and uh, it was just a thing of beauty. I mean, that was, that was an awesome, an awesome scene. And yeah, I, I don't. I have no idea where they're going to go with this, but it is an odd pairing to be sure. I, I think they just try to shove Lee in because they like the, what, uh, that, you know, they like having her on the show. It seems like she's played so many different characters and she's been the same character. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it helps that she and, uh, that, uh, that Marina Becker in and, I keep forgetting Jim's real name, the actor's name. Mr. Ben, Marina? Ben McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben McKenzie, that they have a real-life relationship. Yeah, I mean, sure, but yeah, it's just weird. I mean, Marina is, is great, but yeah, like, I'm like, she, yeah, this is nowhere. I mean, she, this character strays about as far away from the comic Lee Tompkins, uh, Leslie Tompkins as any character in this show does from anything in, in, that's depicted in the comics. Yeah, no, I agree with you, though, that Ed getting his intelligence back is is great. And the fact, though, that it didn't go straight to him being completely done with Lee. And I liked how they played that between the two of them of, like, he still... Because, I mean, this whole thing about Riddler and Ed and everything, like, it never felt right to me anyway, because I'm like, they're really the same person, and I think it's just an excuse to say that they're two different people. And so the fact that, yeah, I mean, that Ed is really a part of the Riddler, and the fact that Ed, you know, that he loves Lee is part of him, too. And even the fact that he thought that maybe if she was willing to commit crime, that she truly loved him back. But, you know, but as a viewer, even I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think that this is (laughs) the same way Gordon was. It's like, yeah, she's just kind of using you for now. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's to achieve a goal. She knows you're (laughs) smart. 
So the, and then how they both kind of figured each other out at the end and killed each other. At first, I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, like I <laughs> yeah. knew that the show's only coming back for ten episodes, but are they really going to kill off the Riddler and <laughs> Lee before that happens? But then, yeah, we have the Hugo Strange reveal at the end, and I'm like, "Oh God, what is he going to do to them?" Like you almost imagine that it's going to come back and it's going to be like their two heads on one body or something like that. I mean. <laughs> well, this show cannot i mean it cannot kill people just outright that's for sure um, i mean i don't even know if butch is really dead you know like i don't know if you know certainly i thought i thought lee speaking of lee i thought she had taken care of sophia but then like, they say like uh you know she's recovering i'm like what she got <laughs> shot in the head not that doesn't mean anything it's got them yeah, you, you, you hit on something that's made me angry on multiple shows lately, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did the same thing. If you are shot with a bullet through the center of your forehead, and it goes out the other end of your head, okay, I do not buy for a minute that you just need to recover and you're gonna be fine. <laughs> and they did it with Sophia, and then they did it, they did it on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Talbot. They did the exact same thing, he was shot through the center of his head. And it's like, oh, yeah, he just, like, has a little bit of, like, a stutter now or something. It's just like, what? <laughs> miracles! He can believe in miracles! <laughs> There's just a lot of miracles happening! So, yeah, that's just my little aside about it. Yeah, that, that's the, I mean, I'm glad the character isn't dead. And, yeah, I think that they might pull her out in Season 5. You know, Sophia Falcone. But yeah, I cause but but if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot her in such a way that she's just like in a coma, don't have it be through the center of the forehead. If they bring Sophia back and she's like a female Grundy, I will be so pleased. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> At least I'll get some Grundy. I don't care. <laughs> Have it be like a grazing headshot or something and then be like, oh, she's in a coma now and recovering or whatever, you know, but not through the center of the head. <laughs> no. Anyway. But yeah, so uh, Mike Nelson, what about you? What did you think about the Lee Nigma Grundy situation? Oh, Lee and Ed are so awkward. It's <laughs> it's not even the whole. It's like, oh, he's a bad guy, Lee. You should do better. It's like, no, no, both of you are crappy people. You don't need to be a crappy relationship. It's just <laughs> you just go away. It was it. It felt so forced. I just I hated. I really hated watching it. I was just, oh, okay. Well, yes, Lee's using you. You're using Lee. We get it. Can we just accept that there's a partnership without a love interest? Can we do that? Can you, <laughs> That would be great. That would be better writing than what I just had to go through because it turned into a love triangle as soon as it's like, you're not going to do this because you're still in love with Gordon. And Gordon's right there. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like his his, uh, his thing with Gordon with the press on him. Yeah. God. When, yes, exactly. Like, like Mike said, when Riddler became Riddler, the game show, the press is like, this yeah. is the Riddler. Yes. Nothing else matters. We need to keep doing more of this. I could have lived with an entire episode of Riddler just grabbing random people doing the game show <laughs> all for a whole 45 <laughs> to 15 minutes. All game show, all the time. Hey, that's something that the Gotham creators haven't really capitalized on is they could do like webisodes or something and do like little side stories like that of, hey, do you want to see the Riddler game show as like a full show? <laughs> Here we go. You know? put, that, put that on the game network. Right? Right. Put that on there. <laughs> right beside the gong show. Great, great half hour. Great. 
But yeah, see, I, I don't know. I think the reason that they paired them, though, uh, Lee and Nigma, is because they wanted to shock us. They wanted to do something that didn't feel right, because that's what they like to do on this show. They like to do weird, skeezy things that make you kind of go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as much as as much as I really just didn't like the love interest when they had when they weren't being trans like longing stares as they walk away. Without those, Lee and Ed, Lee and Riddler teaming up to do schemes was was just a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. It really was. They are a great team, not love team, just <laughs> a team. They were great. They developed Lee like to having like a real like you know, like, like, backbone of steel in this season. And, you know, just the fact that she just kept on getting back up after being, you know, handed setbacks, and the fact that she was just like, you know, hey, I'm a caring person, but I'm going to be a caring person in a militant way. (laughs) You know, it's just kind of like a weird thing when you think about it, but it was just like, I'm going to help the people of the Narrows, and if that means that I've got to, like, take some people down, we're going to do it, you know? (laughs) I really like that. Yeah, and then Grundy is, I don't know why, but he is just one of my all-time favorite villains in DC. He he is so one-dimensional, I don't know why I like him, because he is just completely one-dimensional. But but introducing, it was the last season, it was the end of last season, when we had Butch on the table, and it's like, oh, look, his real name is Solomon Grundy. His real name is what? (laughs) And then here comes Solomon Grundy, he's like, Yes! Teaming up with Bone with Brain Dead Riller. Yes, this is great <laughs> yes. teamwork. I love it. Uh-huh. And then Butch came back. Damn it, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just oh man, yeah. There's so much fun in this show with doing all these weird mashups and pairings and and changing the relationships constantly. And of course, the other big, big, big character in this first half of the season was Rachel Ghoul played by Alexander Siddig, which so good. we Man. talked in the last, uh, you know, we talked about season three. We talked about how he is the best depiction of Ra's al Ghul we've had in outside media to date. And I stand by that now having seen the season because he wasn't really in it that much in season no. three. We just got a little, we get a little look, but he looked the part. He acted the part, and then, yes, in season four, same thing. He looked the part, he acted the part. We got references to Nanda Parbat. You know, I mean, it was just like, yeah. References, we get to see his origin. <laughs> right, that's true. Yep. <laughs> but no, they mentioned, like, the embassy from Nanda Parbat is saying that Jim can't hold him and, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So we're getting, you know. But yeah, we see the origin and everything. We, we, we go back to the whole thing of him wanting Bruce to be his heir. And, you know, I mean, all of it was just like, oh, God, this is so, so interesting. And then they, like, kill him off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and here comes Barbara to ruin here comes everything. Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, 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 the heavy shoe on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta say. I only really liked Barbara in season three, and I'm going to stand by that. Because I felt like they finally figured her out. And then they kill her off, of course, and then Rache brings her back in this season. But I didn't really care so much for post-death Barbara. And what she does makes no sense. I mean, she opens a gun store or something, and I'm like, I, I yeah. And then she the just starts robbing people to do stuff, and then she wants her club back, and then she gets the demon's head. And I was like, wow, she is just... my destiny. <laughs> they are just throwing 
everything to the wall to see what sticks with her. <laughs> well, and here's my thing. Like I said, I loved everything about Rachel Ghoul in the first half of the season. When they started doing the whole thing of Barbara having the demon's head and Raish coming back, but not really back because he was like a zombie Raish. And it was like, you know, and the thing that brought him back wasn't the Lazarus Pit, even though they have access to the water. They did a whole episode on Ivy getting the water. And I'm like, the water is here in Gotham somewhere. Why aren't we getting the Lazarus Pit water to bring Raish back? We can't bring a dead person back through water. It needs uh, to be magic. Uh, but that's the whole thing. I mean, that's Rachel Ghoul's whole thing is you bring him back with the Lazarus pit. You know? so. Not wrong. <laughs> that's how you do things in the comics. This, I think Goblis, Gotham has established that, no, we are not paying attention to that. Uh, Where have you been? <laughs> and then they bring him back only to have him killed again. And it just, uh, just the whole thing was just very frustrating to me. I wanted Rachel Ghoul to be more of a factor, like in the background throughout the season, and I just didn't like what they did with him in the second half. I think they recouped though in the last two episodes with him, like, yes. the, like yeah, the the whole thing with you know Barbara and her her female League of Assassins and everything is kind of a cool idea, but you know Shades of Sin City there, but yeah, once the final confrontation is done and we get Rache back. And him interacting with uh, a character that we haven't talked about yet, Jeremiah. I think that, and leading into the end, you know, having Gotham burn so that, you know, Bruce can be the phoenix that rises from the flames. I'm like, this is, I like this story. I like this. I like this race. He's back. I, I do, but then they killed him again in that last episode. And it was like... I, I wanted Raish to be a factor in season, you know, I, I wanted him to keep going, but it's unless, but unless they bring him back again, which I guess they can do. Hey, of course they can do. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I just, uh, see, here's the thing. He wasn't even shot in the head. I like Gotham when it does weird things, but I don't like it when Gotham circles back and does a plot they've already done. So another one that we haven't talked about yet is the whole Bruce getting rid of Alfred thing. I'm like, we did this in season two already, guys. You know, you already had the storyline of Bruce being like, we're through, Alfred. I don't remember what happened in season two. In season two, Bruce, I can't remember why, but Bruce fires Alfred. Yeah, I can't remember why, he's, why he fired him. I can't remember but why I like either this anymore. this time was much more severe. No, this yeah. time was definitely more severe, but I felt like it's, we knew they were going to come back together again. And it was like, you have done something similar already. And I just... Like, that storyline, to me, didn't work just because of the fact that I felt like they were lost for ideas and just decided to play on something that they had already done. I'll tell you, though, what comes... The thing is, though, you're you're right. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I will say that it, it did give me at least two of my favorite moments in the series as far as Alfred goes. He's got that, that great uh, sequence with the waitress and her abusive boyfriend and everything. And then he gets kind of caught up in that. And I thought that was really engaging. And then also, Alfred and Harvey form kind of this bond this season <laughs> that I really, really like. Yes. Well, it's like my two favorite characters on the show getting together. <laughs> so I allow it because also I'm kind of... It, they gave space to the whole Alfred Bruce thing because I like them together. Don't get me wrong, but they kind of after a while, you're kind of like Bruce feels kind of whiny when he's around Alfred. And I, I just think when they're separate, they're in they're like they do better scenes with other characters than they do with each other now. Yeah. 
No, that's a that's a fair thing. I mean, it's a fair criticism. They definitely spent more time with it and developed it more this time. Because the season two one, I think it only lasted like like Bruce fires Alfred. There's an episode of them apart, and then like by the next episode, they're back together. So it didn't right. really have a. Uh, and I think it was because Alfred was telling Bruce to leave well enough alone and not to do anything dangerous. It wasn't to go down into that bat cave that his dad had. And then Bruce fires. I think that was what happened. Is is Alfred was trying to keep him from doing anything dangerous. And Bruce was like, I can do what I want. Yeah, kind of so. Yeah, it's kind of hard when we're talking about characters because they, they form so many links that it's like, oh, who do we who do we talk about? You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so from Raish, I mean, we should probably talk about Bruce, I think. Bruce. Well, well done, Gotham. <laughs> you got me to care about Bruce. It took you five seasons, but you did it. He gets a suit. Yes. He gets a suit. Yes. I mean, well, we start out with Bruce almost being Batman, you know, in like the first few episodes of the season. Right. He's got, it's like, it's almost like, okay, show, where are we going to go from here? Because you've made him Batman at this point. I did like a few things, like we actually show the, the you know, Alfred teaching him about the whole, like, you know, because there's a whole thing where I have to sneak on the boat and, you know, having to take on a different persona and pretending and all that. So we get in learning that aspect of it. And, you know, of course, he's he's doing the jumping from rooftops thing already and, and you know, wearing a suit that's basically the Batman costume. But I, I did like the fact that they at least tried to show him learning some of the other skills that he would need as Batman as part of that. But then we get the whole crazy turn after he kills Raish, and, like, Bruce sinks way into, like... Party Bruce! Yeah, Party Bruce! <laughs> Which, though, also makes sense for the development, because as Bruce Wayne, he's got to pretend to be that guy. Yep. You know, yeah. so I, I like the fact that even though I hated watching him just being that guy for real, it made sense, or I'm like, yeah, in the context of it, you know, eventually that's going to be the persona. So he's living the life now to sort of learn how to show, you know, to everybody that that's the kind of guy he is. A thought just popped in my head. And it's because of I, I had a story of a Batman movie back in the day. If one of those rich kids he was partying with was, I can't remember his real name, but he actually turns into Black Mask. Okay. And because he's, he's just like Bruce. He's a rich kid. He, he's a son of a pharmaceutical place. And he kills his parents and then takes their tombstone and makes, that's what his Black Mask is made of, his parents' tombstone. And, and he becomes like, he's basically like the direct opposite of Batman. Of opposite of Bruce Wayne, where he goes into the life of under, of the of the criminal underworld, and instead of leaving on the opposite side, a good guy, he stays in and becomes a criminal boss. Oh my God! Can we please have that in next? Se- Why is there not no more seasons? Well, one of the guys he's partying with is Hush. Yeah, I was gonna say one of the oh. guys he's partying with is Tommy Elliot. So you're <gasps> you're close. <laughs> <laughs> you are close. We just need to see his face get all bandaged up, and boom, we're there. Isn't that guy a surgeon, though? Ah, f- it's Gotham. <laughs> well, exactly. this is the, I mean, the funny thing to me is I'm like, you know, I'm watching David Masseuse, who's like 16, and I think Bruce is supposed to be the same age, because I think they established in the beginning that he was 12. And it's yeah. like, and then they have the scene with Alfred coming in, and like the two girls are crawling out of the bed with Bruce, and I'm like, wow, I mean, we're really going into something here, Fox. I mean, I'm surprised you showed that on television with an underage kid. I am shocked that they have done a lot of things on this show. I'm like, is this TV? <laughs> well, we've said before, back in the day, this would be a 10 p.m. show. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine if this was on, you know, if this was on Stars, man, this would yes. be... <laughs> Absolutely. I want that version. Come on. 
Uh, well, aren't they going to do I, like the Alfred prequel on stars? Yes, they are. Oh, yes. I, I like David in this. I, I think he has some really great moments. The moments where he does like the crime fighting, so to speak. I really enjoyed whether it's um, going after the, the, the heist, the truck. When he runs into, I don't think he realizes it's, it's Selena, right? Right. No, not at first. No. Yeah, and then uh, and then later on, when he and Alfred are investigating uh, Raish and they're going to the museum, and that just felt so Batman to me. Yes. And then you know later on when he's whenever he teams up with Cameron, man, those two those two have some chemistry. I mean, you know, those two should get married. You know, I, I think somebody should write that in the comics <laughs> that Batman and uh, Catwoman should get married. I think that I think that would go over pretty well. I think it'll be okay. Well, you know, and then we have that shot. <laughs> you really had to plan that, didn't you? Yeah, right, yes. When when Rache, uh, you know, comes in, uh, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah comes in and and shoots her. When when they're like kind of like at the, you know, they're they're celebrating or whatever, yes. you know. And then it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe they shot because that that scene is just like played just for like you think she might be dead, yep. you know, at yep. that point because it's 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 played like hard. They did that. They did that so much this season. Yeah. Whether it's Martin, oh he's dead. No, he's not. <laughs> Sophia, oh he's she's dead. No, he's not. No, she's not. You know. Oh Selena, she's dead. No, she's like I'm like. And so you know, I, I it, it, it kind of did drive me crazy. As you were saying about the shooting in the head thing. I mean, it, there's Gotham. There's so many, so many times you could just shoot people and make me think they're dead, and then oh they're not. They're fine. Well, and well, here's my here's my concern. Is that we're going to spend some time in season five with Selena mad at Bruce because he promised her that he would stay with her, you know, after she was shot. Oh, as soon as she made that promise, I was like, Uh, yeah, (laughs) and I'm like, but again, we've, we've done that dance so many times in this show where it'll just be refreshing if she comes back to Gotham and she's like, no, I knew you you did what you had to. Please just do that show. Don't do the whole thing where she's just like, "Eh, I don't like you anymore. (laughs) <laughs> I think I, think I made a is. Facebook post uh, with that Selena shooting. I didn't spoil it, of course, but I, I do remember being very emotional and went to social media over that because <laughs> it was so sudden. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you've grown to like these two so much together. I, I see. I'm gonna, you know, David. He's one of those guys that it's like I don't like him so much on his own, but it, with, with the right pairings. His character really comes alive, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I think when he's with Selena, they're just so watchable together. I feel like that's Batman in a nutshell, because, I mean, he does have a lot of sidekicks, does he not? Right. (laughs) That's true. Good comparison, sir. But yeah, but yeah, and then just watching her get shot in front of him and he just goes crazy, you know, and just punches out Jeremiah. That was hard. It was hard. But thankfully, she's 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 in the hospital, so she's going to be okay. They got her out. But yeah, so, I mean, I think uh, then Selena is the next person to talk about, and talking about Selena and the character the show has no idea what to do with, Ivy. <laughs> yeah, well, third, well, third we've her three times. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, this Ivy is definitely, like, the Ivy I am willing to watch. Not saying that the other ones are bad, it's just, you know, I guess as a butterfly and cocoon kind of thing, she's finally found her own, she is definitely, bam, this is her. Look, I don't know why the Flash people aren't snapping up Peyton List to come back as Golden Glider because I oh God, I have right? felt like she's great, you know, ever since I, I I think the Flash was probably the first place I saw her. I've seen her in quite a few things since then. But yeah, I mean, I've wanted Golden Glider back on that show. So yeah, I mean, Gotham casting Peyton List as Poison Ivy, 
I think was great. And I think that she played it, yeah, I mean, we, this was the scary plant ivy that will kill people and, you know, make plants grow inside of them, and it's really horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely liked that version of it. And, you know, it's shown... I mean, we always wondered why Selena and Ivy hung out, and we finally got to the point where it's like, they're not gonna anymore, because, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Ivy's just gone too far, and Selena's got no problem stealing stuff, but she's not a, you know, a ruthless murderer. Yeah. And she she can't take that. So, having them have their falling out and everything, it made complete sense. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Ivy as a solo character more. I mean, she kind of dropped off the map after the first little bit of the second half of the season. But she's got the Lazarus... Does she still have the Lazarus pit water? Did she use it I all? I was about to ask you, because I don't remember... I remember she got it. And then, oh, here's this new guy called Jeremiah. Right. <laughs> I think she used it to create some super plants, but then they kept them from being released or something. And yeah, I'm kind of fuzzy on that whole storyline myself. I remember she got Harvey with her stuff that makes people she love did. her. And then yep. he had that confrontation with Bruce, which kind of gave them their catharsis on their relationship. I'm, I'm sorry, with Gordon. I don't know why I said Bruce. Harvey and Gordon. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't quite remember how things exactly resolved themselves with her. I just know she disappeared right afterwards. So, probably says that the writing wasn't too good. <laughs> well, well, and but see, you know, I, I, I so I love the setup, and we'll talk about it. I'm sure in a little bit more depth, but the setup for next season is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we will see. I mean, we will see everybody, you know, doing their own thing next season, which is great. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about um, Harvey a little bit because Harvey, you know, starts out being the commissioner after, um, after Captain. yeah, Captain Captain. Barnes, yeah, or I'm sorry, yeah, Captain. That's right. After Barnes uh, had his crazy turn at the end of last season, and so we have Harvey as Captain. But then the pig tricks him into that thing where it ends up getting a lot of cops hurt, and then I mean the thing, and here's the thing: I can totally understand Jim being pissed about it when Harvey can't even confront them. You know, and that's the thing where it's like, that's who you, when you're in charge, you know, you've got to be the one, you know, that goes and does that, you know, and, and so, you know, Harvey couldn't take it. He just drank himself to death, you know, and, and Bruce is just, or Jim, (laughs) Jim, you know, he, he can't take that, you know, and, and that's the the sad thing is that Jim was behind Harvey a hundred percent until then. And that's the moment when he was like, you know what, I'm going to take you up on this, uh, Sophia, and I'm going to help you get rid of Harvey so that I can be the new captain. And it was a bad decision because it was Sophia, but I understand what was happening there uh, because I would have no respect for someone who couldn't do that either. Well, it wasn't that Jim agreed. Jim didn't know that the outcome was going to be he was going to come captain. He didn't want it. He was like, Harvey, you're doing a good job. And then everything that led with, with Harvey's dismissal of needing to do what he needed needing to talk to them and just kind of really leaning away from the captaincy it was kind of just an open void that thanks to sophia's ingenuity and chess boarding that jim was basically offered the job and then here comes harvey's like oh is this how you did like i didn't do you wrong harvey's like yeah yeah you did and i quit i'm gonna go drink i'm gonna run a bar (laughs) (laughs) What, what i like about harvey on this show which is just astounding to me. Um, but what I like, like, uh, Jim is obviously the center of the show. And he's the straight man. And he's the the, the, the main protagonist, whatever. Harvey keeps this show, as, as crazy as it gets, 
Harvey's the guy that keeps this show grounded and keeps this show real. Like he's the one that's like always going, what the hell? You know, like, like, like what's going on? Like, this is just crazy. That's crazy. I can't deal with it. You know, I'm drinking, blah, blah, blah. The scenes between Harvey and Jim in particular are usually gut wrenching because they're talking about like when they, when they have it out, they really have it out like emotionally. And I just, uh, I can't say enough good things about Donald Logue's performance. You really care about him. I mean, when he was on the ledge, <laughs> you know, along with a bunch of other people, it was, it was, I was worried for him. And when he uh, helped, you know, defuse the bomb, I was happy for him. I mean, you really pull for this guy more than you do anybody else. He's, he's the only quote unquote normal, real person <laughs> on the character on this show. Right. When you find out that it's his bar that Alfred's confronting the guy in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. I know. I love that. Because, <laughs> you know, you didn't see Harvey for a little while. And so it was, you know, it was also great because it's like, yeah, Harvey, he's coming back into this, you know. But, yeah, I, I love Harvey. And, you know, like I've said before, season two I kind of hated because they almost, like, wrote Harvey out of it. I mean, he was yeah. such a sideline character. But thankfully, last season they brought him back. And when they made him captain, I was like, yeah, I really like this. But, you know, I totally get everything that happened with him based on the kind of character that he is. But I'm glad that they did have that confrontation so that he and Jim could really get it all out there and have Harvey come back into it, you know, on the police force. Because, yeah, having that character there who's always willing to, like, say what you're thinking, you know, at home and being like, this is just crazy, you know? I mean, this, is, this doesn't make any sense, you know? Gotham's just insane. Uh, and, and Donald Logue's so good, you know. I mean, he's so funny, while at the same time not being like a like a like a ludicrous character. You know, he he's funny in the way that he says things, but it's believable that somebody could be that way. So I really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, we talked about Jim a little bit already. I mean, the problem with Jim in this show is that <sighs> Jim things happen to Jim. Jim doesn't change a whole lot as a character. You know, I mean, they had to give him, like, crazy touch blood, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, 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 to do anything with him as a character, mostly, because it's like, yeah, so what does Jim do? Jim does what he always does. He tries to fix the problem. He tries to fix it in a way that he, you know, that, that, that might be a, a bad decision, but at the end of the day, Jim is the paragon of virtue. And in fact, it's even gotten to the point now where people want to kill Jim just because they feel like if they kill Jim, they're like, I have killed the virtue of Gotham, you know, and it becomes a big deal in the plot that is Jim dead? Did Jeremiah kill Jim? You know, because that would give him so much cachet if he killed Jim, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, like I say, a lot of things happened to Jim this season. A lot of things revolved around him. Definitely the whole Jerome Jeremiah thing that we haven't gotten into yet, you know, kind of revolved around Jim, but it, it, you know, you know what I'm saying? Do any of you guys feel like Jim is particularly interesting? He does what he's supposed to. Like, I'm going to defend Gordon because, uh, you know, we got to stick together. Uh, but, <laughs> Gordon bros. I mean, you can't like if you the times where they've tried to dip him into the dark. It's like, no, I mean, I rebel against it. That's just not what they should do. He needs to be the guy that is the rock uh, of this show. You know, like he needs to be the guy that gets stuff done. And the things that stuff that things happen to. I mean, you have to have a guy like that. And is it, you know, is his character completely compelling? No. Um, <laughs> do you root? Do you root for him to get the girl? Not at all. Right. <laughs> but yet he's, you know, he's Jim Gordon. He's just 
the guy that has to be the guy that gets this stuff done. Yeah, I'm getting sick of all these superhero shows, by no means just Gotham, but that the male character can't stand to see his ex-girlfriend with anyone else and has to, like, tell her what to do. I mean, sure, Nigma's not really a healthy relationship, but at the same time, Jim, you can't really go up to Lee and be like, you know, you gotta stay away from Ed. <laughs> it's like... You have no control over, you know, yeah. who she sees and who she doesn't see. Lee's just like, you killed my husband. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you shot him in the head and he didn't come back. He Yet. had that touch blood though. Enough. Yet. <laughs> you never know. We might have him come back next season. I know Jim's like, he doesn't come back. Of course, you know, like the one guy. <laughs> and our other character that doesn't really develop much, Lucius. I keep waiting for them to, like, arrive with Lucius at some, like, endgame. They're like, yes, this is Lucius's moment. I, I don't think that we're going to get a moment with Lucius. I think he's just there because they're ticking a box on Batman characters. And, you know, they, they just wanted, like, the GCPD to have, like, a super genius because all these shows need one super genius to come up with, like, crazy inventions and stuff. Do either of you guys really get excited about Lucius? Do you think that there's anything really interesting there? I mean, you can't really be excited about the tech guy uh, who doesn't really get do techie things. Well, you know, I was pretty excited about Morgan Freeman as Lucius. Well, I mean, he <laughs> was also in movies. <laughs> he doesn't have a storyline himself, and he that's doesn't. the problem. Like, so whenever you see him, it's because he's reacting. And you know, I forget he's on there, and then all of a sudden he appears. And I'm like, oh yeah, Lucius is here. But you'll never see like a scene where he's just with somebody else, like. He's just always responding to a crisis or an event. Like, it would be nice to give him, like, if they do anything this this next season, if they have time, it would be nice to give him even an episode or something where we learn a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, the only episode where I've ever been excited for Lucius was the one where Penguin realized that, or not Penguin, God, uh, Riddler last season realized that Gordon wasn't the person he needed to fight to feel satisfied. He needed to fight Lucius. Because right, Lucius right. was smart enough to operate on his level. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is actually interesting. It's let it, letting Lucius do something interesting, too, because he's the one confronting the Riddler. And that's, like, the one and only time where I feel like they've done anything compelling with Lucius or anything that was really interesting to watch. And it's a shame because I love Lucius. You know, I mean, Lucius is, is you know, such a backbone of the Batman, you know, mythos. And, of course, like I mentioned, Morgan Freeman in the Dark Knight series. Awesome. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like, the, and even the guy that they got to play him just plays him so completely deadpan. He just really enunciates everything that he says and speaks in very clipped tones, you know, and it's like... Everything he says is exposition. Right. Like, there's nothing that he says that's character-based. Right. It's just like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they, they could do better. And Nathan, you'll have to, like, forgive me, but I popped into my head, like, an old 40s TV font where the I love Lucius, like, starts <laughs> like... <laughs> so. I feel the same way also about Tabitha. I think Jessica Lucas is beautiful and she's great, but they don't like Tabitha might as well not be on the show either. She doesn't really do much other than pine for Butch, you know, or tell Barbara that she shouldn't do something. And I'm like, they don't really have much to do other than that. And it's unfortunate. Well, yeah, the problem with Tabitha was that in season two, she played off her brother. She played off of Galavan a lot. And that was interesting. And then in season three, I loved her relationship with Butch and she and Butch together were interesting. 
this season where she didn't have either one, that's why I felt like she as a character wasn't really that interesting. I liked her mentoring Selena. Yes, and I was I about to get there. I thought that was going to go somewhere, and it didn't. Other than it taught Selena how to use a whip. I think that's the <laughs> only reason they established it, was so that, oh yeah, Selena needs to learn how to use a whip. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, the actress who plays Tabitha, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. she, is, she is beautiful, with a capital B. Jessica Lucas. Oh, man. Anyway, I'm fanning myself. Um, <laughs> I mean, she she can hold her own in a show that also has Marina Backer in. So, I mean, it's saying a lot right there. Just, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> yes, we're all men on this podcast, people. I'm sorry. Not really. Anyway. Our apologies. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I wanted more with her and Selena, too. But, as always, though, they have Tabitha just get, uh, um, go right back to Barbara. Which makes no sense. <sighs> and Barbara's such a jerk to Selena, so Selena couldn't be part of that group, you know, forever. And so, <sighs> yeah, that kind of got dropped. And I feel like I'd be completely remiss, even though we've we've mentioned him. And just because of the way we've jumped with the relationships, we haven't really focused on him too much, though. I, I need to talk about Alfred. Because, as I've mentioned before, Sean Pertwee. Oh my god, every time I see him, I think about his father. <laughs> yes. And I have such love for John Pertwee that it just translates over to Gotham, just, just, just from that fact. But I still stand by the fact that he is, like, the greatest dad on television, despite the fact that he isn't really a dad. <laughs> I do love his relationship with Bruce. I get exactly what you were saying, Mike, about how Bruce becomes whiny when he's with Alfred. But just the way those two actors work together, you feel like this really is like a father-son relationship. Yeah. They have done such a great job with that and developing that rapport between the two of them. And now that Alfred's on board with the whole, like, Bruce is going to do this thing... I like it a lot better, because, yeah, I mean, in the earlier seasons, it was a lot of, Bruce was like, hey, I want to do more, and Alfred was like, no, you're a kid, you can't do this, you can't do anything dangerous, and that just got kind of tedious, so, now that Alfred's more like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do this, I'm going to teach you how to be this hero that you want to be, it's like, yeah, yeah, let's go with that, and, uh, <laughs> like you said, the whole thing with him and the waitress, I loved that, you know, I mean, it was horrible how it turned out for her, but I loved yeah. everything where Alfred was just like, yeah, something's not right here. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I can see what it is really quickly uh, and pop that guy in the face like you deserve. But yeah, I, I liked all that with Alfred also. And yeah, I mean, I wish that they could do more with Alfred, really, because <laughs> he does tend to revolve around the Bruce plots. But yeah, when he got kidnapped, I, I was, you know, my, that was kind of upsetting. But I'm glad that that all turned out okay uh, in the end. But, uh, yeah, so what are you guys thinking about what they did with Alfred uh, this season? Alfred was, he really is just a great dad. Yeah. He's so great. <laughs> when Alfred had to be just Alfred after being fired, that was, that was really heartbreaking. And I, I'm not sure I can go through that anymore. So please don't do that anymore <laughs> next season. That would be great. But he found, he found a nice little girl. It's like, oh, but oh. Alfred being by himself was really awesome to see. And I know I'm not much into a backstory guy. And I, I would definitely like to see like Gotham ends. It's like, here comes Gotham an Alfred story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what they're doing on stars. 
but I, I really think it was when Alfred got kidnapped. When when the when the Joker or when the whatever crew came in and bust up the place on the Alfred, I got really scared because there's just like just you hear gunfire, you, you see nobody. It's like nah, nah, Alfred got this. He's a Pertwee. He's got this. <laughs> it's that Venusian Aikido. That's right. Just flipping everybody over. He's got this. And then it's like he's kidnapped. He's like, oh, he's getting beat. (gasps) No. See, see, I call foul on that whole thing because it happened off screen. And I don't think there's any way that Jerome's thugs could kidnap Alfred. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's way too good of a fight. Like, I thought because, you know, you didn't see who kidnapped him. I thought for sure it had to be the League of Assassins because I'm like, there's no way that anyone else has the fighting skills to take down Alfred. And, and so, yeah, I just, I just, oh, I don't buy that it was the thugs. You know? <laughs> just, yeah. just, nah. but anyway. Alfred is, I mean, honestly, Alfred's just the best. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Any other thoughts? Or Mike Gordon? <laughs> yeah, saying Mike doesn't really help on this podcast. How about you, Mike Gordon? Uh, any, any other thoughts about uh, Alfred this season? No, I just think that he's doing a great job, and yeah, I, I definitely, I like I said, I liked, I liked the relationship between him and Bruce in the beginning when they were investigating Rage, when they were going to the museum, and they like that felt like I said very Batman to me, and and they were like solving, but then once you know Bruce takes his turn and then becomes whiny, and that's for most of the season. Even once they get back together, it's kind of like a little different and it's not until the end where where he goes through he gets the he gets the gordon treatment from killing joke you know where it's like oh that's that's awful like i'm like i'm like how much are they gonna oh they are gonna do like a lot of this oh of course because it's gotham Mm -hmm. yeah the other thing that i'm gonna say though about alfred is that i like the fact now that he just accepts selena yeah because that's a real change you know because in the past it was always like oh this bad influence on bruce I can't stand her, you know, I'm always gonna, you know, snipe at her whenever she's around. And that's just whenever Selena shows up, he's just like, oh, hello, Miss Kyle. You know? <laughs> it's like, how long will you be staying with us? You know, <laughs> I mean, that kind of thing. So it's like, you know, I, I like that he's, and she has respect for him too. Like when Bruce said that he didn't, you know, like when Bruce was doing his party animal thing and he was basically like, I'm through with Alfred, like the look on her face, you know, like how in the world could you get rid of Alfred, you know? Like, he's your best friend slash mentor slash, you know, father slash everything, you know? And she realizes how important Alfred is to Bruce. You know, I I like that. I like that they've gotten that sort of, like, grudging respect for each other now, so. I think that's been a good development over the seasons, and I think it's been a subtle one, and I like that. Gotham doesn't do a lot of subtle. (laughs) 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 But I think that one really worked. And yeah, then then of course the 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 really big thing, which I did kind of see coming, but you know, it, with this show, you always have to you know uh, wait and see if you're right. Was the Jerome Jeremiah relationship where we got to see that Jerome had a twin brother who was Jeremiah, and he and he and he was very much a a, a genius, really. A genius architect who, uh, you know, had been living like a very, you know, normal life in Gotham. Well, normal in the sense of he had a job and everything, but he lived in like a <laughs> hidden bunker. So I guess not that normal because <laughs> he was always terrified of his brother, you know, coming back for revenge because the brother hated him. But yeah, I mean, they certainly Cameron Monohan. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. They, they certainly stretched his acting talents this season because he had to play 
Jerome. He had to play Jeremiah. He had to play Jeremiah pretending to be Jerome. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, he had to play Jeremiah both as, like, really off-the-walls Jeremiah as the Joker, and also Jeremiah pretending that he's not crazy Jeremiah. <laughs> you know? It's like all these different subtle levels of the same sort of character. <laughs> you know? So it was, it was, that was really well done. And I think that he deserves very, you know, good props for that. I'm going to go on the record as saying, like, I never liked the idea of them <sighs> giving away so much about sort of quote-unquote the Joker. And, of course, they revealed, because Jerome died, that Jerome isn't the guy who becomes the Joker. But even the fact that there are so many proto-Jokers, <laughs> even if Jeremiah doesn't become the Joker, it's like he's just another proto-Joker. It's like, it seems like they're really diluting the idea of the Joker with it. But that being said... I really love Jeremiah. <laughs> I prefer the much more deadpan, almost serious version of the Joker, but still, like, super crazy. Like, that worked for me in a level that the off-the-walls Jerome didn't. And I sort of liked this sort of, like, I'm crazy because I'm just super serious about doing crazy things. It just felt like a very Gotham way of handling the Joker, and it's a version that I haven't seen before, so I really liked that. But, Mike Nelson, what did you think about Jerome and Jeremiah? Dude, that actor is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at first, I was not a fan of how they delivered this pseudo-Joker with Jerome, but it I feel like we've gotten, through the course of Gotham, we've gotten every almost every itineration that Joker's ever had in the <laughs> comics. <laughs> yes. It's I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, who's the the first Joker, Romero or something? Yeah, Cesar Romero. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if we got ever saw that version of a Joker before. But, I mean, we got the, the, the crazy, quiet Joker in Jerome and then moved on into cutting the face off, crazy-ass Joker. And now, well, we, actually, we probably got a little of, of a Romero in, uh, in Jeremiah's Joker. And just that whole sequence of Jerome... Making the crazy gas, which was amazing. Thank you, Scarecrow. Ah! And tricking Jeremiah with that box. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be just as crazy as I am, brother. And then Jeremiah turned into not really the Joker that Jeremiah probably foresaw, but into this whole, why would I need to kill you when I could just easily put it, pull the trigger? No, 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 no. You're going to learn. It's like, what? what is this Joker doing? Right. <laughs> just the, the, the methodical Joker was in Jeremiah was just more insanely terrifying than Joker Cutface ever could be. And where they both are, thank you, Gotham. <laughs> I never thought, I, I didn't want the Joker, especially how this delivered in season one and, and a little bit of two. But the end game that we are at now with Jeremiah going into the next season, into No Man's Land, it's, I, I'm at the edge of my seat. It, God, you're, Jer, Jer, God. I keep wanting to say Jeremiah, but I have to really go to this actor who did a fantastic job. Yeah. He just, oh, he's just so great. Mm. <laughs> How about you, Mike Gordon? Well, I think I've said on, on this podcast many times before that I was not a Jerome fan. I remember seeing something from the producers saying that uh, they were going to they were going to explore multiple origin stories for the Joker and it seemed like with Jerome they had just said nope this is the guy right so i was very 
I like the scene. Like I, I like the actor. He's great. Uh, that scene in the diner with him and Bruce, really good, really intense, very fun. And I was hopeful for the stuff in the asylum before that, you know, but I, I felt like, you know, he doesn't really mix well with his scenes with either Penguin or Riddler. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking that they were going to lead to some sort of grouping of the three of them by the season end. It didn't go that way, but I was wondering if they were. But every time those guys are together in scenes apart, uh, not apart, but I mean, like individually, it just doesn't seem like they have a chemistry yet. And I don't know why that is. But that all said, the introduction of Jeremiah was a brilliant move on their part. I love Jeremiah. That whole story arc with him and when he, and his best friend, Bruce, and, and <laughs> trying to do the right thing for Bruce and all this kind of stuff was, was, uh, was really well done. The introduction of the Killing Joke outfit, really, uh, at least Gotham's version of it, and then their version of Killing Joke at the end was, was really well done. I, I saw something from the actor Cameron uh, at some point this season where he said that originally they wanted to have his his hair be green, but the producers and Warner Brothers wouldn't allow that because they will not allow him to be called the, referred to as the Joker, and they will not allow they didn't they wanted them to backtrack off of him looking too quote unquote Joker like, and I'm like seriously because. Have you seen what they've been doing with Jerome? <laughs> like, it seems like it's pretty obvious. But yet they they don't, like, with Penguin, with Riddler, with Strange, with Raish, they, they have no problem whatsoever letting those characters be those villains. But with the Joker, they, they have a lot more of, uh, I guess, a stake in the branding. So he's not, as far as officially goes, he's never going to be the Joker. Right, so what that means is when the Joker eventually arrives, you know, I mean, even if it's not in the show, it means that there were two guys who were just like him. <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, so yeah. that's why I said it, it kind of dilutes the idea of the Joker it that does. he comes after these two other guys that were very Joker-ish. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really liked about the uh, Jeremiah version of the Joker is that Jerome always felt like he was trying to do Nicholson and Ledger, like, merge together. It seemed like you could see the influences of both in his performance. And it seems like with Jeremiah, he's able to do something that's like a completely unique take on the Joker. Like he's not, he's no longer aping the performances of people who came before him. And so I really like that. I, I felt like Jeremiah is, is a new version of the Joker. And I think that that's a lot more interesting than someone just trying to sort of emulate things that have gone before. That makes sense. And it's and it's a different one that, I mean, we've seen the Joker depicted more than any other character in this mythos. So, you know, it's important to not repeat themselves, but yet they find them, you know, it's, it's difficult to come with some come up with something unique. And I think with Jeremiah, they absolutely did. Yeah, I mean, th there were other villains, of course, in the season. I mean, it was nice that, like you say, like, like Jerome didn't work too well with the Riddler and Penguin, but having Tetch and as a Mad Hatter and Scarecrow with him, it was nice to get the Scarecrow back, first of all, anyway, because he's a character that's been sort of lingering in the background since season one, and it was great to have him come back fully in this season. It gave him two characters that weren't necessarily equals, but gave him, like, some interesting, like, minions that weren't just generic thugs to help him with his plans. And so I did kind of like the Jerome, Mad Hatter, Scarecrow sort of trifecta that they had going on there. What do you guys think about that? 
Oh my god, the Arkham gang. <laughs> oh my gosh. One, I, I'm not a fan of Firefly. Mm, yeah. I, I think even even the comic book version, and let me just say, I, I feel like I'm going to have to definitely pretext this. Even as a comic version, as a male, he is still a terrible character. Even as a, as a character, as a female, still a terrible character. I, I just think that this, with the Firefly and Gotham, they just, she went too insane in the membrane. I do, I do blame Hugo Strange being an effect of that. I do, but seeing uh, Mad Hatter, seeing Scarecrow working together, and, okay, well, Mad Hatter talking in, in rhyme, really, it, it both bothered me, but at the same time, I'm scared of you. Right. <laughs> you, you brought the intensity. Just when, oh my god, when they introduced him last season, even, it's like, who is, they brought the Mad Hatter, and he's as mad as I wanted him. And then bringing him back for this season, is like, thank you. Yeah. And Scarecrow, has gotten, in my eyes, buffed off screen. I would have loved to see his character development on screen, but he comes from being the son, being the scaredy guy, being insane. Now he's in costume one, costume two. By the way, this isn't even my final form. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> he's, he's, he grew so, like, who's making your costumes, dude? I, I like the fact, though, that they took characters that weren't doing a whole lot on their own, and by sort of combining them with Jerome, they made yes. them all more interesting, because they got to play off each other and use their skills in ways that you don't normally see. Like, Scarecrow's usually making a fear toxin, he's not usually making Joker toxin. You know, but that made sense. That's how the Joker, or Jerome, gets... You like the sort of laughing gas is because he needs someone with chemistry skills to help him out with it, and so you know that all it's like it all made sense. And uh, Mike Gordon, what do you think about the the villain trio there? I love him. I you know I like the fact that especially with Scarecrow, and this this goes with not in the group, but uh, Mister Freeze as well. Is that I just like I sort of forget about them, and then they pop up when I least expect them, and I'm like, oh, it's Scarecrow! Like like I just like like he just. They, they do a really good job at going, hey, remember this guy? And uh, and using them uh, to a um, to having great fun. I, I like the fact that, you know, it's 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 the serum. Uh, they have those connections that way. And yeah, they do a great job. They're they're really well depicted. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing about Mr. Freeze, and I didn't mention him just because he's so much of a non-entity. Is that's the issue. I love Mr. Freeze as a character concept. I love the idea of a guy who's lost everything and is going to make people feel what he's felt. This Mr. Freeze, he's just around to freeze things. You know, I mean, we got a good origin yep. for him in Season 2, but he hasn't really been a character when he showed up in Season 3 and Season 4. He's just there to be, like, the muscle that freezes things. And, and so yeah. I, he kind of disappoints me because uh, they haven't really done anything with him that's interesting uh, or or really develops his character at all. But yeah, so so that brings us to the end of the season when Gotham has just completely like <laughs> they have no power, <laughs> they have no anything. All the all the like official services and everything have been evacuated, like except for the police that are staying with Gordon you know the hospitals have all evacuated and so it's gotham is is uh, no man's land and in one case literally because the sirens club has decided to just murder all men and their territory so that's that's interesting <laughs> that's true <laughs> yes. well played my friend <laughs> right you know so even though i've never read the comic storyline this is based off of i think i kind of get it that all the villains are going to carve out their own little section of gotham 
and uh you know it's going to be like bruce like sort of waging war against the and gordon bruce and gordon you know waging a war against you know these different little enclaves of villains and trying to make the city safe again for everyone to live in i mean has is that is that fairly accurate uh, uh mike uh, have you uh, gordon have you uh have you read the comic storyline that this is based off of? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't, I, yeah, I, do, I think just they're, you know, like most things, they're just taking the basic premise and they're going to have fun with it. And yeah, I mean, we see it's established that every one of our characters has got their own setup. They've carved out, as you've mentioned, they've carved out their own section of Gotham and they're going to war. And this is going to be awesome like this if there's going if this is going to be their last season which they've said it is this is the way to do it you know give each one of these main characters their own part of the city and let's just duke it out and you know and 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 of course you know it's up to jim and harvey and and the the rest and bruce to try to to try to bring this city uh to together yeah Mike, what uh, Nelson? What do you think about uh, about doing this as the as the end game storyline? I didn't read No Man's Land, but I did play the game as Batman Arkham City, mm. and it's so good. <laughs> oh my god, it was so awesome just to see every different environment set to the person, and I can't wait to see. This is I, I have to say, this has just been an incredible ride, and. Dave just really just been cranking it past 10, breaking the knob. And I think at this point in season six, I am going to sit here and say and take a deep breath. I'm okay with seeing Batman. Yeah. Do it. I think we might, especially towards the end of the season, I think he might actually cowl up. And David Masseuse has hinted that he will fully be Batman in the next season. So I think that might happen. I mean, he still seems kind of scrawny to me (laughs) to be Batman, (laughs) but you know. I'm sure they can they can give him a bulky muscle suit or something to wear so that it looks he looks he looks sufficiently intimidating. But yeah, and of course, oh, I forgot we we kind of alluded to it before, but I should have mentioned. So Grundy and getting his memories back as Butch all led to Penguin actually making good on his promise and finding Hugo Strange and paying him to make Butch back as a normal person again. That was very nice of him. Yeah, yeah, that's a great guy. He's yeah. A great guy. <laughs> Only so that he can shoot him right in front of Tabitha. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, and I laughed. Oh, man, I was so happy to see the Penguin do that. Like, Because he hasn't forgotten. Right. He hasn't forgotten what she did, and nor should we forget. And I just thought it was brilliant payback from a demented mind, and I love seeing the Penguin triumphant. Well, the thing is, in Gotham, people hand wave things away so often. Yeah. Like, you know, even the fact that, you know, like, Tabitha's working with Barbara again after what Barbara did, you know, it's kind of like Tabitha's forgiven Barbara for what she did. So it's like, why wouldn't, you know, Penguin just hand wave away with Tabitha? But nope, (laughs) that's one they were like, no, we're going to hold on to this one. So, yeah, oh my god, I did not expect that at all. Just, how long was that? Two, three seasons? Yeah, it was that was season two when they killed them. It was, it was towards the beginning of season two. God, just <laughs> from then all the way to now. Yep. Penguin is a beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you have no respect for Penguin after seeing what he just did, why? Why? <laughs> how? How do you? What do you? 
it just no god that was so oh my god i'm still shaking from that yeah it, it came from nowhere and he was just so like this is why you're my best friend bam <laughs> right. it's like tabitha do you think i forgot huh i didn't forget girl you killed my mother man Ugh. don't bring butch back don't don't bring him back i as much as i want to see G- G- grundy again you can't just that would yeah. just sully everything right like if they want to have the actor back they can do like maybe a flashback in an episode or something yeah. just yeah. to like pay him you know and have him be part of the final season but yeah i don't want him back as a character because yeah i, I feel like that's such a powerful moment for the penguin and look they only have 10 episodes to deal with so i mean things like you know they, they need to sort of pare down the characters anyway to you know just allow the development for 10 episodes that they're going to need to have so if butch is a casualty of that i mean it's sad but i don't think there's much more they could do with butch anyway right especially ungrunded like making him grundy was the most interesting thing that they had done to him for him for a while and they undid that already halfway through the season so yeah i I think i think butch has played out but yeah i was not expecting that But what I do think that does mean is that Tabitha's going to be very militantly gunning for Penguin throughout this next season, and that's going to be fun to watch. Because, you know, like we said, Tabitha isn't really all that interesting on her own, but having her with a vendetta against Penguin and really gunning for him, that might allow her to do some really cool stuff. So, yeah, I think that could be really neat. So yeah, let's um let's just say like what we want to see next season. If there's anything specific that that you want to see, we've thrown out a few things during the course of this. But Mike Nelson, why don't you start us off? Like anything that you want to see out of season five before they go? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 no man's land. It's right. fit in no man's land in ten episodes. Like how, what writing staff do you have? <laughs> it's it's going to it's just going to be crazy as hell and i'm just i think i'm more interested in seeing the return of jeremiah and seeing where he fits in no man's land because we because bruce can't find him no one knows where jeremiah is and the villains are are making their spots this is supposed to this was supposed to be jeremiah's his his maze this is supposed to be his maze and i swear to god if i see him on like the top of a giant building just looking down at his maze with every villain taken in it's like I did good work. (laughs) I will flip out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Mike Gordon, is there anything specific you'd like to see out of season five? I, um, uh, that's a good question. I like the idea of them, the setup that they've got. Again, I don't think it's going to take much from much more than that from the comics. I mean, the comics was really cool because there was a couple of uh, introductions. Uh, I think this is where we got the Cassandra Kane Batgirl from in the comics, as well as uh, some other cool moments. Gordon loses a love interest to the Joker in that storyline as well. And there's some pretty intense stuff, but I don't see any of that playing out. They're certainly not going to introduce a new character in the last season, I doubt. But I would... You know, I'd like to see them try it again and see if they can succeed, because how cool would it be to see the Penguin, the Riddler, the Joker, like, together doing something? If I see four of those in one room, I'm going to flip out. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really think that that would be, you know, a really big moment for the show. And as a as a Batman fan, you know, we got to see them team up in things like, you know, the 60s movie and all that kind of stuff. But really, you know, to see them to team up and, and I mean, they'll be fighting a lot in the beginning. So that'll be awesome. But then to flip the script and maybe have them uh, do some fighting would be pretty cool. 
or to team up again. And then that could be the thing that makes Bruce go, I need to do something else. I need to become something else. And then, you know, cue the bat through the window. And, you know, (laughs) here we go. I'm sorry. It made me think of the arrow intro. I need to be something else. I need to be someone else. That that could happen as well. You know, like the city could get so bad, all of a sudden, you know, Stephen Amell shows up and says, Bruce Wayne, you have failed this city. (laughs) Boom! In the head. (laughs) End it on a high note. Ironically enough, you know, it's it's interesting because I think if Gotham was maybe going to continue on, I would think that we would be getting some sort of Cassandra Kane type bat woman, bat girl character. But ironically enough, we're actually getting that on Arrow uh, this right. this, uh, yeah. this season. So not on Gotham. Right. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't know, there's, there's the weird thoughts that come to me, like some sort of like dream sequence where like Bruce is like in a daze or whatever. And, and like, you know, uh, uh, Cameron's uh, um, I'm playing uh, Catwoman like she's Julie Newmar or something. <laughs> just to have fun with it just to you know but uh you know yeah i mean as far as specific thoughts i really don't care that much because this show is it's at its most fun when i don't see where it's going you know and, it, and and they're just doing weird stuff that i that i didn't expect i would like to see lucius have a moment uh or you know at least have some development in this season because they're not going to get another opportunity and I feel like he's the regular character that has gotten the least so far. And so if they're going to do anything with... like Maybe Lucius goes back to Wayne Enterprises and the buildings and he's instrumental in, in getting some stuff out of there that helps Bruce out. And so when, when everybody returns, he's on the board of directors of Wayne Enterprises. Something, just something to let Lucius do some important things and let him like develop a little bit as a character. But yeah, otherwise, it's like I just want to see the villains doing their crazy villain stuff. And like I said before, I do not want Selena to be on the outs with Bruce when she comes back because I just am kind of sick of the, you know, like, oh, you slighted me, so I'm done with you right now. But then in a few episodes when you really need me, I'll be back, you know, stuff because we've just been down that road too many times. So I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. (laughs) It just sucks that we have to wait until March. You know, I mean, that's a really long time to wait. Yeah, Yeah. it's almost a year. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to say about Gotham that we haven't talked about yet, uh, Mike Gordon? We've been pretty thorough. I will say one thing that behind the scenes that I find is interesting is that Ben McKenzie has taken a real big active role in this show and he's written some episodes. I think he directed a couple as well. So uh, when you when you think like he's not just there to be, you know, to read his lines and just this isn't just a paycheck to him. I mean, this is as much his show as it is anything. And and good for him. I, I, I like it when actors really get involved with their shows it shows that they care and it it just means that as 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 straight and narrow as we think gordon is because you know you know that ben's writing some of these episodes he's got some of the crazy in him (laughs) like he's got some of that touch blood in him because yeah like it's it's just wacky so i i uh i think that's really an interesting development i think that has been i haven't noticed it last season so this was the only season that i really noticed his name a lot more in the credits behind the scenes yeah, it's probably all the ones where he has scenes with uh, Lee. <laughs> I'll have to go back and check that, you know? It's like... 
I can make out with my wife on TV. <laughs> right, that down. every married couple's dream. Right, that's right. Well, <laughs> it was funny. I, I say that because in Stargate, Christopher Judge, who played Teal'c, uh, used to write some of the episodes. And every time it was a Christopher Judge written episode, Teal'c had a love interest and he had make out scenes. And I'm like, okay, I see why you're writing for the show. <laughs> what was her name from uh jolene blaylock he's <laughs> from star, uh, star oh, trek yeah. he's like oh, oh, oh teal'c makes out with her <laughs> it's a long scene <laughs> anyway um <laughs> mike nelson uh is there anything that we that you wanted to say about gotham that we haven't talked about yet i gave so much garbage over it <laughs> on season one my friend christina and i we were on the show we didn't want to we didn't want to come back. We were done. It was a horrible first season. I took the, I bit the bullet, and I think it was uh, seeing your post and seeing some other friends post on Facebook. I bit the bullet. Came back in the mid season of season two, binge the first half, and I've been here ever since. And dear God in heaven, thank you <laughs> for just flipping this. And as much as I love my CW universe, Gotham is amazing. And I will choose Gotham all the time over Arrow, Flash, a little bit of Black Lightning, and Legends. Just Gotham. Oh, my God. Just keep cranking it. Just keep breaking the volume knob. Just break the knob all together. Keep going. Ten, ten episodes, you can do it. I sometimes joke that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. deserves the award for most improved show, but, you know, I think there's a real case to make for Gotham because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., at least by the end of its first season, had really turned around from, from how it was in the beginning. Gotham, it was the whole first season that was problematic, and then it just flipped so completely with season two, where, yeah, I, I think that Gotham might deserve a reward for, like, the most improved genre show of all time. Because it, it's so different now, and it is so much better. And I, I know, you know, some people were, were on board with season one, but I think even people who were on board with season one appreciate that the show got so much better in season two. Would, would you agree with that, Mike Gordon? Because I think you've said in the past you did like season one okay. I like season one okay, but it was so much better when they embraced the madness. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, I know many, many, many Batman fans, and some like Gotham, and a lot of them don't. And they're like, how can you, I don't understand. And I'm like, just if you just embrace it, it's, it's just quite a ride. If you're stuck up on continuity, comic continuity, uh, Nolan continuity, whatever, if this is the way that the, you know, if you're not open to these new interpretations, then yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be fighting it and it's not going to be pleasant. But once you just succumb and embrace <laughs> the madness, um, it's a beautiful ride, man. So, so you're saying watching Gotham is like getting touch blood. It is absolutely the same thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just embrace the mad the madness, Jim. You'll feel so much better. Yep. You will, you will find us all on the, uh, on the ledge of rooftops everywhere. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. I'm going to be sorry to see this show go. I wouldn't mind if Netflix would pick it up, you know, Netflix, you know, you do the thing, <laughs> you know, season six wouldn't be such a bad thing, but uh, although I have a feeling that they're going to pull out all the stops of season five, so yeah. it may just, it may be one of those things where it's like, you can't really go anywhere from here because we kind of, we kind of did the most we can on a TV budget, you know, <laughs> everything afterwards would feel kind of like a, a downer, but we'll see. But, all right, yeah, so let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us online. So, uh, Mike Gordon, why don't you start? 
Well, absolutely. And thanks again for having me back. Uh, it's always fun to talk Gotham with you guys. And you can find me on Earth Station One weekly. You can just go to earthstation1.com or esonetwork.com to find that. And as you said, Nathan, you can also find me on Earth Station Who. And if you want to look at my uh, my books and other things that I'm working on, just go to newlegendmike.com. All right. And Mike Nelson, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Goodbye, interwebs. <laughs> goodbye, Gothamites. Till next year. Till next time. It's going to be great. You can find me over on the Twitter at this is Trex. Just this is T Rex. And of course, if for all those video game people out there, uh, if you just want to watch me do crazy stuff on MMOs, uh, go over to twitch.tv slash Trexlight. I almost thought you were going to say same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> yeah, this, there's no Batman yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till next season. <laughs> <laughs> same Gotham time, right. same Gotham channel. Right. <laughs> and you, we will definitely be talking about season five. But Mike and Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And that's the end of our Gotham podcast. So what did you think of the episode? We want to hear from you. There are many ways that you can contact us. One way is by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. You can also tweet to us at at 42cast, or you can drop us a line on Facebook at 42cast.com slash Facebook. You can also go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave a comment in one of the episodes. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. I also want to put a plug in for the ESO Patreon. That is a way to get exclusive episodes from many shows on the ESO network, including the 42cast. And everything that you contribute there is something that will help the network as a whole and keep us all on the air. So that's all that we have for this week. Please join us back next week when John Bernthal will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.